Hello, welcome to this edition of the Soccer Speakeasy. I'm your host for this episode, Jacob Myers, crew beat writer with the Columbus Dispatch. Today, I've brought on crew color analyst for the TV broadcast, Jordan Angeli. Jordan's in her first year with the club after spending the past four seasons with Colorado Rapids. She was the team's in-stadium host in 2016 before transitioning to the radio broadcast. Before that, played professionally for the Boston Breakers, Washington Spirit, and Western New York Flash. Jordan, so good to talk to you and glad you could join on. How has your time just been with the club so far? Thanks for having me, first and foremost, Jacob. It's kind of ironic that it's called Speakeasy, and this is how my voice is today. So I think these multiple games in a row, I'm going to have to take a day off of, of talking after after I am done with a couple of things today. But my time in Columbus has been great. I've loved it. It's been a little weird, right, uh, moving during 2020 and uh, being a part of a really exciting club and getting a taste of it. And then having, I chose to go home for most of quarantine and be with my family, which was the right choice for me. But being back since June. I'm getting to know the city more and I really like it. I like the city. I like the club and it's hard not to like the soccer. Yeah, I think we talked back in March, maybe the day before the whole thing shut down or before Seattle about you coming on and, and just us in general, not really getting an opportunity to welcome you, I guess, to, to the beat and the team, but I'm glad we were able to do that now. What, what appealed to you about this opportunity in Columbus? I've never really asked you. Well, for a long time, I have been working at this trade of mine, right? Trying to be the best color analyst that I can be and provide the insight that I learned not only from playing, but really a lot from the injuries I acquired and not playing and how I saw the game differently when I wasn't playing than when I was playing. I really feel like that has allowed me to analyze the game in a different way. And so over the past few years working in in Major League Soccer, I have felt that this was my next step. Not that my next step was in women's soccer, because actually it's, I believe it's tougher as a female, if you have not played on the national team, to be a color analyst in the women's game. And so I, no matter how much work I put in, I just always felt like I was judged because of that. And in the men's game, I felt like people just listened to what I said and knew that what I was saying, despite playing on the national team or not, even though I was a member of of various national teams and with the full team for a little bit, just never capped. That didn't really matter because what I was saying was more important. And so I just felt like my next step in broadcasting was going to be with an MLS club. And when this opportunity arose, I just, there was something about it that just felt right to me and getting to know the club a little bit more and everyone from Tim Bezbachenko to Caleb Porter to Tim Miller, who I work with, to the crew that I work with at Fox Sports. It just felt like this was the next step. And I was really excited and eager that one, they valued me and had that appreciation for me, but two, that that um, I could come in and be something a little bit different and, and be a fresh voice. Yeah, I think you've certainly been an asset to the broadcast. And you and Neil, I, I have enjoyed um, <laughs> just all, all the calls that, I, that I've heard. We were talking about the, the Darlington Nagby goal, which, you know, you couldn't help but be kind of a fan for a moment when something like that, or, or even Lucas's almost Golasso last night against Minnesota but you certainly done a good job. And for me personally, someone who didn't watch soccer a ton before this beat, um, I've listened to some of your calls and just explaining 
some things that are going on in the game and it helps me look in a different way. So I think you're certainly doing that for fans and it's something not just for the growth of the league, but the growth of, I think, soccer in Columbus, especially leading up to the new stadium in this new era. Um, you, you've done, you've done that well and uh, welcome you to just open arms to this beat, I suppose. Yeah. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And I think there is a really fine line of the people that are watching, especially crew games. This is, the first club in MLS. So there's been a lot of people that have been watching crew games for a lot of years, 25 to be exact. And um, there's some people who are new and want to know more about the game. But regardless, I think I try to speak the way that feels genuine to me, but also feels informative to the people that in the audience that I'm speaking to, whether they've been watching the game forever or they are new and they want to feel like they can understand what's going on. So that's kind of the mindset I approach my craft with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to keep this pretty light, but I thought um, you'd be the perfect person to kind of talk about last night. We're recording this Thursday afternoon um, that I I personally saw as an indicator of um, where, where this crew team is with 10 games left. And I think you can certainly argue that they're peaking right now, if not um, kind of at their peak. So let's just get into it. The crew beat Minnesota 2-1 with goals from Lucas Celereon and Pedro Santos. Each player also had an assist. I looked this up. Uh, Lucas Celereon now has a goal or assist in every 64 minutes of play, which is just oh unbelievable uh, statistic. And Pedro's right up there too. I think it's like 62 minutes in his past five games because he has three goals and four assists. So certainly right. one of your best players playing at their best, and that's what's going on right now. Minnesota got one back late in the 88th minute. Looked like they equalized, but the official called Minnesota for offside, and the VAR seemed to confirm that. I still haven't even seen a replay. Was it offside? I thought it was offside. When we got the slow motion replay, I believe it was Boxel. Was it Boxel? If he was, I believe it was the player that had the or first off-hop. touch, right? Yeah, yeah. It was the first, it was the player with the first touch, so I think it was Boxel. His head was about this far in front of Jossie Zardes' head. And you can score with your head. So the offside rule is if any part of your body that it can score a goal is in an offside position, you're offside. So yeah, but it was like, oh man, it was inches. Someone said on Twitter it was like a skin cell offside. Um, yeah, it was, it was very small. Glad it was. Uh, I'm so over these Premier League offsides where the a couple fingers are past the VAR line, so it seems right. like a true offside. But, you know, I thought it was the best offensive performance of the season. I think I said that after the Cincinnati game, and, and we can talk generally about, and I wrote this for tomorrow, about the constant improvement of this offense from their two scoreless games, which I think raised concerns, but certainly weren't red flags like these were big problems. Teams were defending them differently. They had to find out how to do it. You talked before this about Minnesota being down some crucial players, including Ozzy Alonso, who was extremely disruptive in their first meeting and MLS is back. But to me, I looked at that Cincinnati rematch and this rematch in the same light. And what I saw are two very similar things. The offense found a way for the breakthrough. And, and truly, I thought all 90 minutes, they were extremely fluid in the attack. What, what did you just see? I think that there's a lot of things you can take away from this game and build off of. And that being one of them, there was a ton of quality opportunities for the Columbus crew. And I think 
when you look at that, and the same thing was when they played Minnesota last time as well. They had 14 chances. It wasn't as if they weren't creating chances. They just couldn't put them away. But I feel like the farther along in season we get, we see those chances being created, and now they're capitalizing on the chances. And every team I've been a part of, the final third is the most difficult place to develop those relationships, to figure out the weight on a final pass or the decision-making. And you usually see that start to click in in the latter parts of the season, typically. And I think that the way that this team, in my perspective, has been built is you instill a mentality, you make sure that everybody's on the same page as far as defensive responsibilities and how you want to defend as a unit. And then from there, you can build how you want to attack. Because if you're giving away goals all the time, well, it's going to make it so much more difficult for you to create goals. And I think they really did a good job of starting with the defense. And then from the defense, you start to build confidence in who you are as a squad. And man, there were some really quality opportunities. And you see those tweaks happening, especially in the final third. And I think Luis Diaz is a player that really intrigues me because from the stat sheet, he's not producing. Like, you would look at his stats and be like, wow, this guy is not doing a great job. But I watch him and I think what he makes an opposing team have to think about because of his movement, because of his willingness to threaten and behind and his speed with the ball at his feet or the speed chasing a ball into space really opens up other pockets of space for other players. And when he's getting into the final third, the crosses still aren't quite there. But last night, it was, it was, again, inches away from connecting with Jassy's artist. And that is, we haven't seen that type of service for him. So he is acknowledging what he needs to get better at. And he's getting better at it. And I, I think everybody, you see that, like, these little upticks in their performances of little things, but those little things add up. Yeah, and that, I mean, let's just start with Luis Diaz. He was kind of one of the first acquisitions last year. And, and Jordan, the feeling last year around this team was... I mean, it was like you were walking into a funeral some days in training, the one thirteen and one stretch. Mm-hmm. It was so abysmal and emotionally draining just to be around the club. I think everybody, media, players, coach, everyone was just kind of tired of it. And then they hit that stretch. They started acquiring players. The first game Luis Diaz played, he had an assist in the 90th minute of Chicago. Since that moment, they finished that year five, two, and six, and now they're nine, one, and three since then. I mean, it's that's an incredible stretch. Fourteen, three, and nine. It's it's really astounding. And and you're right, he has improved and he is still missing those crosses, but it was like when he I know exactly the player talking about in the first half where it seemed like maybe one or two inches away from Jossie Zardes just tapping that ball in it. He missed it, but he had a very similar play the game before where I think the cross was probably a yard or two in front of Zardes. It just wasn't even close. And this, I looked at that play, it's like, okay, something is starting to click for him. I thought his decision-making was better. He had a really powerful left-footed shot coming Mm -hmm. kind of into his body a little. I thought it was kind of a difficult shot, but you like to see that. And he wasn't just the only player we talked about Pedro improving. Artur had a huge game as well with he's going to have to play that way in Nagby's absence. But, you know, I think you're starting to just see the collective nature of this offense and the vision Caleb Porter has. Everyone's starting to step up and and you need that. Yeah. A couple of things on what you said. First, I'm just going to go to Luis Diaz really quick and, and say the difference between those two balls that you were talking about was that he put texture on the second one. So he hit it with a little bit of 
his instep and the inside of it, his foot. So it is bending back to Jossie. The other one he crossed in, in the previous game was a straight ball. And so it's really hard for a player running towards the goal to catch up with that ball when it's straight. But when you put a little bend on it, it's coming back into the player's path. And that's, a, it doesn't really appear to be that different, but it's everything that he's instilling. That technique is huge. And then going back to last year and I wasn't here, but I've been a part of teams that have had that. I've been a part of clubs that have had that. And I think it's important to note that the turnaround didn't start when the team started winning. The turnaround started when Caleb was in here and he's instilling these, the style of play that he wants his team to have since day one. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that. And we, we look back and we think, Oh, it it must've happened when all these players came in. And I'm not saying you and me, I'm just saying in general, when we look back at teams, but the work has been put in for almost two seasons now since Caleb Porter has come in and he's really instilled how he wants this club to team and this club to play. And the team has instilled that with um, the ownership group and saying, okay, we want to be this type of team and we're going to invest in this type of team and trusting that Caleb is the coach to do that. And I think that that trust is really not only, you don't see it only with the front office and the owners and the coaching staff, but then you see it between the coaches and the players. And then, we hear it all the time how these players just trust each other and they really, really like each other, which is super cool. And, um, you know, all that work, I think, has taken some time and people aren't going to appreciate the times maybe where it was really rough. But those are crucial times, too, to remember that there was still foundation work that was put down there that then the team could launch from that. You mentioned those foundations being built. And I think what you saw last year was a team that knew each other really well, started strong. And we've talked about this a ton, so I won't relitigate it, but then went through injuries and they're building this new philosophy, team identity. You get new players in and that's when you start building again. But the guys who have stuck around like a Jonathan Mensa, like a Jossie Zardes, I think you're seeing that chemistry and whatever word you want to call of just being familiar with guys who still make up the core of this team from past teams when Caleb Porter wasn't here, they're having a ton of success right now. And I think that's where you see guys who buy into a new coach's philosophy. It's still working for them and they're finding it a way for it to work for them. And now all these other players who have bought in are complementing their games as well. We mentioned Pedro, Luis, Lucas, they all help each other in this symbiotic way. Jossie is putting up MVP-like numbers. You know, we're 13 games in. I think there's enough evidence right now to to say that this could be a special season in Columbus. It's a strange one with a stop and start. And I really wish fans were here to experience it all, obviously, more important things. And we want to stay healthy and all, and all that. But yeah, it's a, it could be a special season. I'm just curious how you kind of look at that. And do you see Jonathan Mensa, Jossie Zardes as guys who, you know, stuck around through that transition and have, have really bought into this philosophy that Caleb Porter is, is instilling in, in the clubhouse? I think it is a special season because everybody's going to remember 2020. Everybody's going to remember it. And the fact that the Columbus crew were able to have some stability in the way that they were performing, even in the midst of all the madness, is memorable. And it's one thing that I am constantly in awe of, that they've really created their own bubble of who they are, who they're going to be, how they're going to be hungry for more, but also 
acknowledging that they're not, they're humble in it too. And they, they want to continue to get better. And I think those two players are really two good examples of it. I can't speak much about the team when I wasn't here, but what I've noticed about those two is in just speaking with them and, and hearing about them from other, their teammates or from Caleb is that they are, they are bought in and they're bought into that mentality that of continual growth of that growth mindset. And I think that's really what this whole team is, is in is that they believe that every opportunity is every day is an opportunity to get better. And they do that with almost this like family environment where it's like, I don't want to say tough love, but there are moments where they're yelling at each other and there is intensity. And that's what you expect of sports teams who are competing at the highest level, but it never seems like there is anybody that doesn't fit in or feels like they're the out person. Everybody has the same mindset of getting better, of supporting the player next to them to get better. And it really all starts when you're building a team with the captain. And Jonathan Mensa might be one of the nicest humans I've ever met in my life. And honestly, I say that with a lot of these players that we get to talk with, they're really nice guys and they really love being a part of this team. But the way that Mensa leads is he leads by example and he shows that I'm going to put in a lot of the work and he's the only player on the crew that's played every single minute of this season. So he puts in the work on the field in games, but in training, but he also has allowed that his personality of being really, he's a really loving guy, a really friendly guy. I feel like that is just spread through this team and they all, they all feel that way about each other. So yeah, those two are phenomenal. I don't, if at the end of the year, they're not in that, talk for mm-hmm. defender of the year for MVP I think MLS is crazy <laughs> yeah I mean they're playing very well right now and certainly you wonder if Lucas has stayed healthy what his numbers would be like if he would you would think he would be in that conversation he's combined on, on nine goals now with five goals four assists yeah. I believe I have that right but and Pedro has had a goal or an assist in the last five games and yeah quietly he's already tied his assist total from last year which is kind of funny and he really wasn't playing terribly when he wasn't scoring it was just you had this drop off again and you wondered in his first two years if he was reverting back to that Obviously, I think he's he's bucked that trend since then, and it's right when they needed it with Nagby out. Now, speaking of Darlington Nagby, uh, his replacement, Fatai Alashi, got hurt the other night and Wednesday night it, early in the match. It seemed to be a right knee injury. We don't know the severity of it. Caleb Porter said after the game it could be a strain. I, you wonder, and it's happening around the league, Minnesota certainly was depleted with several injuries you start to wonder what could derail this crew team. I think they've proven that they can beat any team in the league. Certainly that'll be tested. And we'll talk about this um, span of road games that they have coming up, but Sebastian Berhalter played well um, in Alashi's absence, but you, you got to wonder how much you're going to, if you're Caleb Porter, how much you're going to weigh keeping these guys healthy to make sure you have, a full strength lineup or as close to full strength as possible entering this kind of stretch run here while also trying to get as many points as possible. I think he's extremely confident in his depth. How do you just view that? I don't, to be clear, I don't know what happened to Fatai Lache and I haven't heard anything about his injury. So I don't want to speculate on that, but I know that he did leave the match. 
think Berhalter was excellent yesterday. I thought he came in, he kept possession, he did the simple things right. And so that allowed, as the game opened up, for him to show off some skills that he has, especially that little scoop ball he was playing to the left side of the field over the defender. for his age. Yeah, what a player. I, I'm really excited. And it's good to get him minutes like that off the bench to know that you can come in and perform when the situation isn't a little bit more planned out. So I think that was really good for him and builds confidence with him. From day one, when I met the team for a few days in Arizona for preseason, I was really interested in how this team was built because they're really, I I don't know, I know personally, I've never seen a team this deep in MLS that I've worked for with, with the Rapids. And I know that's, you know, that's one club, but every single position you can look on this lineup and just slot the next player in and it's not that big of a drop off or a drop off at all. And that's really incredible and really says a lot to the intentions of this club, the commitment of this club to allow the technical staff and Caleb to build the team that they want to build. I think their depth is awesome. I don't know what would rattle them right now. I don't, I don't think there is anything that can rattle them, to be quite honest. I think that they're using everything. Even, even last night's game, I'm imagining that's going to be used to learn a lesson of Things in MLS can change like that in the last 10 minutes of that game, really different game because it could have been a a draw at home and changed not only that record that you were setting, but although they did set the record, but you, you change the perception of what Mofre is. And I think you keep the perception now with the, the end result, but there's lessons to be learned from that. And I think they're very aware of that and they're taking those lessons and learning them, but they don't, they don't lose confidence in who they are because they really do believe in what they're doing and how everybody's bought in to the system that they're playing. It's a really beautiful thing to watch. If you ask me, when I'm watching this team play, it doesn't matter who's out there. They are well aware of their responsibilities and especially on the defensive side. And if they don't do them, then they know somebody's going to be right behind them helping them out, which is super cool. Yeah, so I think this run and even last night to get ahead two goals and then you could take Celery on off for a little bit, especially when the game gets chippy towards the end. I think that was really good use of substitutions and you do have to protect players in some ways. And I feel like because of their depth, they are allowed that grace in the way that they play and the way that they can bring different players off the bench. And that's not unique to the crew at all, for sure. I I think just in terms of having nagby out two to three weeks with the meniscus injury you know it's really important that they maintain chemistry up the middle or or up the spine as caleb porter says and and that could be more difficult when you have people injured and i'm just curious how that'll go and and caleb porter said it's something he he will be watching i'm sure they'll rotate some in this next game against toronto but looking at the standings the top four is you know, seven points clear of the fifth place, which is New England, Toronto, Philly, Orlando are tied for second at 25 points. Columbus, they're at 30, plus 17 goal differential. That's best in the league. You look out West, it's a complete, I mean, it's it's a mad dash for anybody to get to the top, (laughs) really. One through nine, well, I'm just looking here. One through eight, because there are 10 in the East that'll make the playoffs. One through eight, in the West is separated by four points with Seattle and Portland at the top. Seattle's played one less game. Now the crew have six of the next eight games on the road. I think for any team you go through stretches like this, what we've seen this month of September 
to me has told us that the crew are prepared and confident to go through this stretch. It's a difficult schedule too, and we can certainly look at that. But what are you just looking for in terms of, is there anything more that the crew has to prove to you in this upcoming stretch? Or or do you think this past game maybe provided some confidence to the team that, yeah, you're, you're confident now that they can achieve whatever they want to on a given night? I've been pretty confident for a while and I don't think last night's result alters my confidence really much at all because this team is, they're still getting three points and there's not going to be a time in the season where you just like to not give up any goals for the entire season is something we've never seen before. And so we probably won't ever see it because this is also soccer and you really just don't know what's going to happen. So they're going to give up goals. And I think that one of the things that I really appreciate about the crew is no matter what the result, they always take something from the game and get better at it. And I think that's why you're starting to see these performances really start to add up. I look back Um, So everything's super intentional. And especially when I think about the Nashville game and the possession was so heavy or not heavy, but Nashville outpossessed the Columbus crew. And people will look at that and be like, oh, Nashville must have played better. It was intentional. Yeah, it was so intentional. And those are the things I think that separate this team from other teams that I've I'm watching right now is there is an intent in every phase of the game. Transition phases, defending, attacking, the beginning of the game, those 15 minutes after halftime where they love to score goals to how to play at the end of the match. And so they don't have to prove anything else to me. I'm confident in who they are and they're pretty confident in who they are too without, without being like, look at us. I feel like they just go about their business. They're continuing to improve. And I really can appreciate that. Porter said after the game, he's having the time of his life right now. And I, I think you saw that kind of in this post-game celebration. He does it all the time to the Nordak, goes over there, pumps his fists. And I think someone commented on Twitter, it looked like he was like madly raking leaves in his front yard. That's that's how I would kind of, or pushing a wheel. Did someone, did someone create a gif of that yet? Because we need that. You could do that. I would be fine with that. No. Um, he know. said, it's everything I want in my team. I want a team that can attack. I want a team that will defend a team that'll fight. And, you know, this comment was made maybe a couple of weeks ago about Caleb Porter is someone who just will not accept defeat, period. And you are seeing that with his team. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shows in five goals allowed by this defense in 13 games. And look how they're allowed too. Uh, other than Chicago, they were kind of out of nothing set pieces or, or a PK. The, the yeah. defense, we've, we've talked about this a lot. They are far and away the best in MLS right now. I think moving forward, there's not one player on this team that you look at and say they need more out of this position. It's more of just maintaining what they're doing right now. So, I mean, in teams you've been on, teams you've watched, what's important down the stretch here, 10 games to go for a team that is in first place, has pretty much done everything it's sought out to do? How, how do you sustain that? There has to be a balance of continuing to be engaged and continuing to, like I said, progress in those things that you want to get better at, while also rest is going to be the, the biggest thing. Getting these players rest and proper rest and managing, I would probably say managing minutes, because if you look at the next month, very few players are going to be able to play every single game for significant periods of time. That's me personally saying that. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there aren't some players that probably will do that. But I think you have to manage the minutes in a way that 
is effective for that player and rest is going to be is huge. So I think just like we talked about going into MLS's back tournament, how do these teams manage their time in prepping for that tournament or how do they manage that off season or not off season when they were alone in their houses or with their family in their houses? Whoever managed that time did well and performed well. Maybe they didn't make it all the way through, but they performed well because they were still, they knew what was expected of them. And I think that same concept holds true here. This next month, whoever manages the off days the best and allows the players to get the proper rest and manages their minutes in the, in the best way possible is going to get the most out of these days. And if you look at the Columbus crew, and in my opinion, if you're talking about managing minutes, well, I already talked about how deep I think this team is. And I think that's something that can be done. You know, it's not without, of course, you want every, your, your biggest players to play every game, but um you're confident in who you've, how you've built this team and who the team is from the whole squad perspective that you're not shy to put a player in and give them time. The rest of the season, nine games to go in 37 days, if my math is correct. That's a little over four days between games. It's, it's a full-out out sprint, and it's every team is going to have to deal with this. It's not unique to the crew, but I, I think as much as you and I both see that this team is, is certainly probably the favorite now. I mean, how do you not say they're the favorite to win the supporter shield? They're going to be tested. They'll continue to be tested. And Sunday's game in Connecticut against Toronto. So it should certainly provide a test there, but we'll leave it at that. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us and we'll uh, be sure to have you back on. Yeah. Thanks Jacob. Hopefully by then I have a full voice back. Yeah, and we'll get this internet situation squared away too. Awesome. Well, thanks. Appreciate it.